How's it going, coaches? Make sure and head over to runthepower.com uh, here in the next uh, within the next couple weeks. We will be putting out RTP install uh, for September. So make sure and go check that out as well as anything else you need from us all over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is again offering coaches a free in-season football strength program. As you may recall, uh, like we've talked about in other episodes, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength and conditioning philosophy is just to maintain, then we think we have something better for you. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard it from Rowdy in the RTP podcast. Or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product uh, months ago, and we have to say that it's been a game changer for us. We especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, uh, obviously, as you guys know, power, counter, but inside zone, pin and pull, um, you know, and, and inside zone lock and seal. Um, so we can save time and be more productive with our teams and with our in-season uh, work schedule. Just Play is limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. This offer has been extended Um all the way till now. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Huddle. This is the time of the year when spare time is a pipe dream. But what if it didn't have to be? What if you could take those hours you spend adding data to your game and scout films and use them to focus on all the other important elements that make your program go, or on your family? Huddle Assist can save you these hours of time every week. Send your game and scout film to Huddle Analysis, and in 12 to 24 hours, you'll have 16 columns of data plus advanced reports. And not just the basics like down and distance, but more time-intensive data like offensive formation, efficiency, and backfield. You'll have the opportunity and the spare time for a more in-depth analysis, which will lead to a better preparation for the week ahead and a better game plan overall. Did we mention every subscription level comes with unlimited breakdowns? You'll have more scouting data on your upcoming opponents than ever before without lifting a finger. Submit up to three videos per day for the rest of your season. Add Huddle Assist to your subscription today at huddle.com slash RTP Assist. And finally, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Vices. Vices football helmets are different than any other helmets on the market. Their design reduces impact forces by yielding in a collision similar to a car bumper. A concept so unique, the helmet was named one of Time Magazine's top 25 inventions of 2017. The Zero One is the top helmet at every level of football. Nearly every NFL team has starters in the Zero One, including both the Super Bowl MVP and the overall league MVP last season. Over 140 college teams, 1,500 high school programs, and hundreds of middle schools and youth teams have made the switch to the Vices Zero One and Zero One Youth Helmets. Protect your athletes with the top performing helmets in the game. For more information about Vices technology or to request team pricing or financing options, visit Vices.com on the web, which is V-I-C-I-S.com on the web. Vices, protect the athlete, elevate the game.
On this episode of RTP, we talk with Steve Elise. Coach Elise is the OC at Longwood High School in Middle Island, New York. Listen as we talk with Coach Elise about his journey in football, education on the East Coast, and the evolution of his offense throughout the years into a diverse attack using several different ideas pulled from many sources. You can follow Coach Elise on Twitter at Coach Elise. Hope you guys enjoy. Name Steve Valisi. Um, I am the offensive coordinator at Longwood High School out here in Suffolk County, New York. Also, the quarterbacks and the D-backs. Um, out of high school, I was lucky enough to play my college football for a Division II school about a half hour north of Manhattan at Pace University. Um, you know, during that time, I was definitely fortunate enough to kind of know I've wanted to coach after my freshman year of college. I was actually pumping gas at a local gas station and one of the coaches from my alma mater um, who was always kind of like the team below me you know so I was on freshman he was on junior high when I was on JV he was the freshman coach and uh, he, he saw me he's like hey listen if you ever want to like come talk to the team I always see you up running at the high school doing your agilities conditioning whatever like would love to just have someone who plays college football come talk to the team so just very ironically that the day I go over there to talk to him one of their coaches was out he was like hey look can you just grab the linebackers and like hey take these guys for 20 minutes off my hands and, uh, you know, do whatever you want to do with them, basically. And it was a pretty profound moment that in, like, literally the first 30 seconds of that indie period with the linebackers, I was like, wow, this is, like, 100% what I meant to do. That day on the way home from practice, I went home and changed my major from business to education. Wow. So I was, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I always kind of say coaching found me. Um, so with that, you know, for the rest of my playing career, you know, I always kind of approached practice and everything with holding on to all the playbooks, whatever it may be, just to, because I knew it one day I wanted to have the headset on. So, you know, that was always a profound moment for me. You know, it's one of those things like, as crazy as it sounds, I remember as much as like where I was during 9-11, you know, I mean, like I had that like, at that moment, I was like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I completely, like, have that, like, burned in my brain that I'll probably remember forever when I had that epiphany. So I love what I do. I love doing it. You know, I love the game. love what you guys are doing for it. Run the power is great. Coach, man, I, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, see, so you, you kind of – you get the coaching bug. And, and you know, I was kind of the same way in, in college. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of wandered all over the place, meandered with majors. Literally, I think I hit about all of them. But I, I knew I wanted <laughs> – I knew I wanted to coach, um, and and once I kind of made that decision, and I knew that was going to be the path I was going to do. I mean, I I almost treated it like an addiction. I mean, I was I was trying to get my hands on any resource that I possibly could. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, obviously you're playing, but then once you know, hey man, I'm going education, I'm going teaching, and I know I'm going to be a coach. What, what did you kind of dive into immediately? What were some of your go-to resources? Sure. Um... You know, as I, you know, realized that, you know, coaching was in my future, I was lucky enough. I was in a fortunate situation where all three of my position coaches had played for at least five years in the NFL. Um, so they were unbelievable resources. You know, my, a lot of our position coaches were ex-NFL players fresh out of the game. So on top of, like, 
some awesome stories of like firsthand accounts of like the childhood heroes that like you know he knew about and sitting there as like we're doing film and you're like hey how come this guy's still on free agency you know and like your fantasy league and you're like oh man we can't stand that guy no 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 one who i play with will even draft him you know on top of like those cool stories <laughs> um you know my, my first resources were just my coaches and different schemes they played in going beyond just our playbook i mean i was fortunate enough to have some guys who loved football and love to talk about football and just going into the different schemes they played in, just understanding football from different lenses than just the one that I think we were taught as players within our system was really my launch point. And then from there, you know, you kind of start to venture the internet, you know, one of the first ones I remember coming across, you know, I think it was like my sophomore or junior year, it was uh, Coach Huey, the message board back in like the forum days. Yeah. Um, you know, from there, when when I got out of, um, college and I just finished up playing. I um, I was fortunate enough to get on a staff that was a Tony Franklin team. So you know I was on the staff for less than a month, and next thing I know, I'm on my way down to Atlantic City listening to Tony Franklin talk about you know being part of Cal, and you know we got this guy Jared Goff who's going to be pretty good, and you know we know where he ended up. <laughs> and so I was pretty fortunate to just be around a lot of people who just really love football and super passionate. You know, you guys had Justin Grandinetti on the podcast a few months ago was one of my college coaches. Um, never directly coached me, but, you know, he was the one who a couple of years ago was like, you got to get on Twitter. This thing is unbelievable. There's so much stuff on there. You know, as a teacher, I kind of try to stay away from social media. But let me tell you, Twitter is such a valuable tool. The people you can communicate with, all the chats, all the great things going on. I mean, you can just never stop learning on there. No, it's unbelievable. And like you said, it, it's so cool that you can learn from so many different people. I mean, I get on there on something like the hog football chat or, or just go scrolling through Twitter. Uh, we'll see guys from uh, Australia, UK to, um, you know, New York to California, you know, and, and everywhere in between. And uh, you get to pick something from each one of those guys. I kind of got in contact with a guy from Louisiana and, and uh, we ended up having him on the podcast and he'll be on a later episode. Um, I guess when people are listening to this, it'll be a previous episode. But uh, anyways, uh, he'll, he'll be on an episode. And, and um, we kind of found out about each other on Twitter. Um, and, and man, has learned a ton from him. And it's almost like that day he sent me 200 clips of power. And I sent him 200 clips of our power. And, and you know, for right from there, we, we started, okay, how do you do this? How do you do that? What are you teaching here? What are you teaching there? And, and uh, it's just unbelievable, something that, would have, you know, without Twitter, would have never, ever, ever, um, you know, met this guy. And, and uh, it might be a way that we even change, you know, how our our, uh, our H's pull on counter just purely off of uh, uh, us talking over Twitter and, and getting to know each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you get the guys who post the videos or the templates of the X's and O's, but then you get in these chats and, you know, you get what you're really looking for, which is, the, you know, the minutiae and how they coach it the details you know it's funny I feel like coach Balls and I all the time end up on certain things I just see like I'm gonna make a comment about how I do something and he's you know talking about levels or whatever it may be like you know we start our install from the same place so you know we've we've been on there talking about nub side you know ways ways to attack the nub in the passing game you know I mean we all the time end up on posts where I'm like man this guy literally just like stole the word from me that's exactly how I do it <laughs> 
It's hilarious though. Cause I mean, it's like you said, I mean, it's so cool to, you know, it, it just pops up in your notifications and you get, you know, whatever message it is. And, and I love it too, because, you know, when you, when you think about it, if you can teach it and you can tell it to somebody else, that forces me to, to really think about it and, and really have to kind of, you know, man, you know, do I have, I have to really understand this. And when I can really transfer that knowledge and, and, and continue to tweak it and continue to think about it, or, you know, you give me some different idea, You're like, Hey coach, did you ever thought about doing this again? It forces me to think about it and the depth of knowledge that I have on, you know, just that singular concept mm-hmm. makes me such a better learner. And then it also makes me such a better teacher when I go to have to teach that concept to somebody, I can kind of pull back on that conversation because that little conversation really, really piqued my interest and allowed me to kind of think about it and learn more about it rather than, Oh yeah, I drew it up one time when we ran it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, um, you know, I kind of lived through that over the past two years. So I had changed school. Um, you know, I think most of the people coming out of education around 2009, 2010, especially up here at least super hard to find a job. So, you know, a lot of us bounced around and where I landed, I got really lucky, you know, Longwood High School is a place where traditionally is very successful. We are the largest non-county school district in New York State. Um, We got a community that loves football. But um, they were always a full house team. And, you know, since the early 90s, they've been very successful being 32 personnel, 98% of the game. You know, when I opened up with them a few years ago, I was looking at the, uh, the Long Island championship that they were playing in. And, you know, I think their quarterback went like six for nine for like, 80 something yards and in that game they set two records 558 yards rushing and negative six yards passing Um, you know like I mean they can hammer the ball and they do it well and you know everything from the culture from the ground up is bred on that and when I came in the old OC left and we're like hey we're going to be a little more multiple spread, doing some more traditional stuff, you know, think of, you know, most colleges, whether it's UCF stuff, you guys are throwing up there, you know, we were like 40%, 11 personnel, you know, we're still probably 20%, 21 personnel, we still did, you know, probably 20%, you know, 22, 32 personnel, but, you know, we were throwing the ball now and, you know, being more multiple. And for me coming in with this, like, I knew I needed answers, right? I couldn't just be like, well, we're just running this personnel group or this, you know, formation because because that's the case and why aren't we just doing what they used to do I can't like rely on that I had to have answers for everything mm-hmm. and it made me really rethink why every concept was in the playbook but also making sure that I'm putting my coaches in a position like you said coach Walls, like they got to be able to coach this stuff so like we were you know probably 60, 50 to 60 percent of the time one back we didn't run zone this year you know we're going to it this year coming up but this past year we did not run zone at all. We were still all gap, trap, and man blocking. Because so I thought that, it, you know, it's what our kids knew. They were great at it. You know, we, you know, I mean, we were just so far away from scheme, you know. Was, well, why are we getting out of the four-point stance? You know, it, sure. it was a different, <laughs> you know, it's a different world. I mean, um, but I had a bunch of guys who could really coach the run game, you know I mean? almost every guy in the high school program has played offensive line in college somewhere. You know, I mean, everywhere you went, you had a bunch of O-line guys who could really coach this stuff up, 
a culture of it. You know, I'm lucky enough to work for a guy by the name of Jeff Sipp, who uh, his father for a while, I believe, was the all-time most winning coach on Long Island or New York State. Um, you know, he played at Kentucky in the SEC. And, I mean, you know, myself, I had had, you know, five years as director of strength and conditioning for a training facility out here by the name of Revolution Athletics. And he went to school for strength and conditioning. And I don't touch anything that we do with the weight room in the offseason because that is his baby. And he does such a good job with it. And, like, he'd sit there and be like, man, year in and year out, how is this team able to just hammer the ball in these personnel groups? Let me tell you, I've never seen anyone emphasize the weight room the way he does. I mean, every championship T-shirt, wristband, whatever it may be, the primary emphasis of it is having a barbell in the background. Like, I mean, nothing will compromise our off-season training program from building a tough culture to just developing those kids. I mean, it's the buy-in that we get, you know, with our off-season program because of the job he does is where all of our success was. And I think that's why they found so much success being a full house offense for so long because, you know, when you got every year 10, 12 kids squatting, you know, close to 500 pounds and, you know, five, six kids benching over 300 every year, you know, at least up here, I mean, that's not common. Coach, the thing I think, you know, when you talk about the, the Northeast for football and stuff, I mean, with, with so much population out there and so many colleges, you know, and so many like high academic colleges, and then not to mention you guys have, you know, two NFL teams in New York. You've got the Patriots. I mean, I don't know if you're a Patriots guy. You probably, you probably hate them. But, uh, I'm a giant. I'm a Giant fan, so we're 2-0 in the Super Bowl, so I'm all right with them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but just just knowing that you have kind of that, that cauldron of, of thought and that cauldron of, you know, successful football and, and so many great coaches and so many great, you know, you know football minds and things like that, to me, that's just got to be a, a, an awesome area to want. You know, it, it's so easy, I would think, to be able to just go and, and find things out and go and get answers or, or, you know, go to a place and find out the best way to learn or the best way to teach or the best way to, to motivate people. You know, or the, and you're just talking about the, the strength training. I mean, I, I'd flown out to New Jersey and learned some things from DeFranco when he was training a bunch of his oh. NFL guys. I think, I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal the resources that you guys have out there in the Northeast. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I think everywhere you're seeing such an increased emphasis with training. I don't know if it's from all the pro athletes on Twitter, like posting this stuff up. And now, like, for the first time, you know, I can remember when I was in high school, like, you had to twist kids' arms to get them in the weight room, where now everyone sees all these guys training and, you know, realize how important it is, how valuable it is, you know, and everyone's promoting it. They're trying to make it look as good as possible. All these guys are out there trying to make money um, for all these trainers out there. But it's become, like, the new thing for like you know young men and women to do which is you know a great opportunity I mean you know we used to say all the time my head coach all the time used to say in the mid 90s early 90s yeah if you if you had a legit off-season program you were guaranteed to get to the county semis pretty much because there was only one or two other teams working out and you were just going to be you know bigger stronger faster and most importantly less injuries right you know which isn't really so much the case anymore I mean yeah, that's people right. People are trained. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Coach. But, yeah, that's exactly right. You get uh, – it's, you know, everyone's doing it now. It's kind of the, the standard to at least work out. Now you got to find um, – you know, you got to be – got to have a good enough uh, guy that runs your weight room that uh, he gives you a little, you know, edge by how you guys do things compared to everyone else. But um, it, it's not like 
like you said, 80s, 90s, where if you just had a weight program, um, you're one of the few in the state or in, in, the, in the district. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's a testament to people in our profession, too, especially with football. We usually bear the brunt of, you know, running the off-season program sometimes for, you know, other programs. But, you know, guys are putting in the time because people realize you can't win without putting in the time. I and mean, we can't just show up here, come, you know, August 13th and, you know, expect to win football games. I mean, we got to be in here training year-round. I mean, you know, the standard set, I mean, our kids know, like, I mean, if you're going to start flaking out for other things, I mean, you better be there or our kids are going to hold you accountable. I mean, that's the standard that's been set. And, I mean, it, you know, they police themselves when you've got that thing built right. And that's, that's one of the coolest things to see, whether that's with your whole um, – every player on your team or if it's, you know, even if it's individually with, with your position group, when you start seeing those older kids holding, you know, other kids accountable, whether it's younger kids or other older kids even, uh, when they're the ones teaching and holding kids accountable, that's when it gets really fun to watch, and, and it's a really cool thing to see your kids, uh, you know, acting in that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and we get kids all the time. We cross over from other sports who are on the fence if they want to play football, and, you know, they've never touched a weight before in their life. And I'm convinced that just the amount of, you know, time and commitment we show to these kids, you know, we push them hard, but we love them at the same time. and you know, I feel like a lot of times we hook kids who probably wouldn't stick with football just because of the growth that they see, whether it's, you know, in their other sports. And I got a baseball kid right now who just started working out with us. And he's like, yeah, like my fastball since we started lifting three months ago, you know, went up like three to four miles an hour. Yeah. Like, you know, I, haven't I haven't seen growth like that in a long time. We're like, yeah, well, you know, you gained about 20 pounds of muscle. You got faster. You're becoming more athletic. I mean, you know, the kid, when we started, couldn't even do a single leg squat. Think about a pitching motion. How much of that motion is on one leg? If you can't stabilize on one leg in a squat with your, you know, your foot up on a bench behind you, are you really going to be able to control that on a mound, gripping a ball 90 miles an hour? Uh, yeah, it, it still blows my mind that there's, there's people out there that, you know, want to wanna fight science. You know, the, the stronger you are, it doesn't matter what the, what the sport is. The, the stronger you are, the better athlete you'll be, period. You know, I don't care what, what sport it is. You, you tell me literally almost any sport, the, the baseline is going to be, you know, strength. If I, if I can control my body weight to do these athletic movements, it's, it, it's pretty much just, you know, pays for itself. You know, baseball, I say it over and over again because we still have some, some baseball guys that are a little bit, you know, a little bit teetering on the fence. But now all of a sudden they, they go out and I'm like, hey, just, just give me eight weeks. I said, then you're going to go out to batting practice and tell me what the results are. And literally every kid comes back like, oh, my God, coach, I'm hitting the ball harder. or I'm hitting the ball over the fence now. Or, you know, I used to hit it over the fence. Now I'm hitting it out on the road. You know, every one of those kids sees that feedback, and, and then all of a sudden they're hooked. Well, you know, especially with people in any throwing sport. You know, I coach the quarterback here as the offensive coordinator. You know, we start at like eight years old. We have like a whole off-season curriculum. We push through Google Classroom. So when they're in other sports, cognitively, they're still building their mind. I mean, that's the whole process. We started from the ground up because as, as of right now, we have one quarterback work, walking our halls because most kids didn't want to be a quarterback in the full house offense, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> we had to start that from the ground up. So, I mean, I was there until 7.30 today, pretty much, just, you know, shortly before we got on this uh, podcast working with our younger kids trying to build that from the ground up. And even with them, you know, I mean, we have like a basic fitness routine that we do. I mean, how many times do you see on 
you know, Twitter, these guys doing all these throwing drills, working all this fancy mechanics, which are great and wonderful, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, but then at the end of the drill, they go to pick up a ball and their knees are touching each other and their chest is completely rounded out, you know? I mean, <laughs> the kids can't move. You know, they're working all these high-end techniques, but, you know, you're putting race fuel in an average car. You know, if you, I guarantee, you know, Coach Harper, I mean, you're a line guy, and like you said, you put some time into the offseason. If that kid went with you for eight weeks, like you said, and didn't throw at all, I guarantee in a half hour he'd be throwing further and more accurate with more velocity on the ball than if he was training three days a week with his quarterback coach. There's no doubt it, it makes you a, uh, a better, well-rounded kid. And, and one of the biggest things that I think it helps, and, and I don't even know that that's uh, something that I have ever thought of until uh, lately, is, is just the confidence boost that it gives a kid. I've seen some of my scrawny, like you said, you know, knees are touching. They look like a, a newborn baby deer when they're a sophomore <laughs> offensive lineman. And now they're seniors and they're squatting, you know, they're putting four plates on a bar and, and they kind of look good and they're starting to wear a little bit tighter shirts. And, and you can tell, I mean, even by the way they, the, the, you know, the looks on their face from day to day, um, you can tell they are an unbelievably more confident person that, that, than they were as a sophomore. And, and, you know, obviously I think that's helps them tremendously in life, but, uh, it obviously helps in football as well. I'm convinced that the psychological component of the weight room is far more important than even the physical. I mean, when you look at just the way kids play and plays they make, you know, after a year of weight training, um, they, you know, you're talking about the physicality, not even the speed. I mean, kids just are more – it's incredible how, you know, coaching linebackers for quite some time, you know, kids who all of a sudden – you know, didn't make great reads. They get in the weight room after JV or whatever, whenever it is that you guys start your weight program. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, these guys are just hammering people downhill on ISO. And you're like, that no set of squats or bench is really going to make a difference. I mean, that's purely psychological. This kid's believing in himself now and just attacking. Plus, I feel like, you know, for a lot of these kids, they need to like redefine what failure is. You know, if you can't teach a kid to keep tension on those muscles that they're working, you know, the first time they get in the weight room, the bar, the reps are super fast, and all of a sudden they just stop, right? Because they're not keeping tension on them. All of a sudden, they'll teach them how to do the lift, how to keep tension, how to keep grinding through those lifts, and they kind of redefine failure for themselves a lot of times. Yeah, I think there's just so much carryover. I mean, I think you know, if you still see some of the some places, some kids, you know, they do go train with, you know, outside agencies and things like that, and I think that's fine. You know, you can fill in some of the gaps and. And you can get some of your extra work there because, hey, I'm, I'm all about kids, you know, chasing dreams and, and wanting to be good at their passion. But there's always something, I think, to be said. And, and you're, you're talking about the confidence aspect and then also that, that team aspect, you know, working out with your team, being pushed by those guys, you know, having loud music on, having large groups, you know, having that, that accountability piece. You know, that, that's basically what, what coaching is. We take people. Uh, who start there and we help them get to levels that they couldn't do by themselves. And I think you, you can't really recreate that in many, in many training aspects, as opposed to, you know, working out with your crew, your offensive line, working out together, you know, your, your running backs and your fullbacks working out together. I just think there, there's that psychological piece. And, and again, I'm, I don't know if it's been studied or not, but I, I think you just see, a difference between training with your team as opposed to maybe training, you know, kind of solo with, with a trainer. 
Absolutely. You know, and myself working in that industry for a good six or seven years, you know, I've been subcontracted into like 12 schools in our county over here. And, you know, you see the difference of when their coaches are there, when the kids come to you independently, when you're going to them, when their coaches run it. And I mean, there's just so much to be said, you know, it gives opportunities for your leaders to be leaders. Um, you know, within your lifting groups, it's a great time, you know, when you create those lifting groups where all of a sudden those kids who are all scout team players, someone in that group is going to step up and be a leader. You know, there's each setting is an opportunity for someone else to step up. And as much as you'd like to say that everyone's going to take that leadership role, you know, that's not always realistic, but you, you know, in the weight room, sometimes you find out a lot about a kid's character when all of a sudden you throw them in a group of kids with his similar ability. And they're dead silent on the field because they might be a third-string guy. But, you know, when they get in that lifting group around his peers, he's the most rah-rah guy picking everyone up, helping people out, pushing the group, keeping the tempo. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. Well, Coach, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, going from uh, a full house, 32 personnel. Um, you know, that was the major uh, personnel you guys that they were in. And then you come in and – and, and you, you go a little bit lighter. Like you said, you still have 21, but you're going to base a little more in 11 and, and a little bit lighter formations. Was there – did when you went in and decided to do that, did you, you know, have to mindfully, purposefully, you know, kind of try to sell that to the kids? Or um, was that something that, you know, you started getting going and, and it was an easy uh, change for, for, for your players? Um, I mean. Well, the way it was set up for us, I came in in my first year. Um, it's really my only year ever doing it. They sent me down as the JV head coach and offensive coordinator. And um, so I got a chance to groom a lot of kids fresh out of the junior high program for that first year. So they hadn't had a ton of experience with, you know, complex offenses. Or not that we're all that complex, but – you know, still a very basic offense. So for the junior high kids coming up, like those upcoming ninth graders, because we don't have freshman ball up here anymore. Um, for them, it was a pretty easy sell because of all that they knew. I was also extremely lucky. Um, you know, for the first four years, I'm now get to coach a quarterback by the name of Noah Ratner, who you know will definitely be a scholarship quarterback in my opinion. So you know, coming in and being like, all right, listen, we're gonna throw the ball a little bit in day one. You know having a freshman who, you know, when the ball's in the middle of the field can throw a 14-yard comeback makes your offense look a lot better. So it was easy to sell people on it. Coach, you said, too, you know, with, with you know, the quarterbacks and, you, and you've, you've got a guy you, you've been working with now for a while. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what, what you guys kind of do? Because I'm always interested, you know, you, you've set up your, your installs on, on Google Classroom and, and you're, it sounds like you're doing some, some QB meetings and some QB, you know, school or whatever you guys call it. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think that's, you know, an invaluable part of, of what you're doing in the offseason, not only from, you know, the scheme understanding, you know, aspect and standpoint, but, you know, when you're going to run a multiple offense and you're doing a lot of things through your quarterback, that relationship between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback has to be, like, completely in sync. You have to, you know, be able to gain, gain each other's trust, you know, really care about each other and, and understand that you're going to have each other's back. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, we have to be able to share one mind in a lot of times, you know, as he gets further on this process, I'm allowing him to check more, whether, you know, it's, you know, certain route tags based on coverage, post-snap option routes, 
for the run game, obviously. Um, so he needs to be able to, you know, really share your vision and what you want. And, um, you know, for us, you know, you know, uh, I remember Coach Walls posting something back a ways back about, you know, one back power and how they average, you know, seven point something yards or eight yards per carry. You know, we did our self scout, you know, we run dark. We see a ton of those, you know, whether it's backside B gap pressure, those four eyes and everyone kind of going to based on the personnel under or a tight front, you know, people really trying to get into the B gap, you know, so for us, dart was just an easy answer for us. Like I said, we didn't run any zone and, you know, it was over 20% of our play calls and we averaged, you know, 7.6 yards per carry and a pretty good efficiency rating with it. And, you know, a huge part of that was, you know, not just providing our quarterback with those answers, but also the offensive line, understanding what pressures give us difficulty in like from day one, installing those checks. Now they may not be able to see it from, from you know, mid-May, they're hearing these checks where Steve looks, and as these kids get more experience, you know, they're getting me out of calls, and I don't need a million on one call. I could just close my eyes and say, hey, listen, man, we're running dark. Quarterback's going to check it to the right side, and you can make that as simple or as complicated as you want, whether you're one of these guys who are, you know, counting the weak side and making sure the numbers are there. And if you are running, just run it weak, you know, checking it to the shade, to, you know, looking at, you know, going full in depth to counting both sides, the front, checking the safety structure, you know, you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want. But I feel like if you're going to empower your quarterback, you build that in layers, you know, come, Hey, listen, you know, and, without totally giving away everything, whether it's going to be to a certain shade or you're counting off a certain side and a certain personnel formation, like, hey, look, as long as you get this first layer, I'm never going to complain about it. But as they grow and develop, you start to see them dig deeper into the check, make, you know, make the proper calls. And it's the same thing with the passing game. I mean, you know, people all the time when I first got there, they're like, hey, like, you know, we're doing a good amount of stuff pre-snap and post-snap you think it's too much and you know my feeling is if we can't make those decisions pre-snap there is no way we're going to be able to make those re post snap I mean this is such an easier environment to keep in pre-snap and I am not a huge fan of living in a pre-snap world but there are some decisions that we make pre-snap and if you're not going to give the quarterback those weapons to try and get yourself in the best plays you know you're really shorting yourself Mm -hmm. you know our install um you know we start throwing around this December just before winter break. I get them in before we lose them. And, you know, anyone from eight years old and up is welcome to come in. And we don't put any of our scheme up, but everyone runs the same plays. And, you know, like you guys talk about having plays in families. We have plays in families. You know, we're a pure progression team. So, you know, we're, it's not like we're going to teach a million different coverage reads. We're more reading the route space and attacking it with more of a pure progression concept. So from – you know, the first install, once we kind of teach the kids the timeline, where the routes fall into their footwork, you know, we just put on all 22 film and honestly go through whatever game kids are watching or whatever their favorite player is. You know, and I have eight and nine-year-olds, you know, looking at NFL coverages and understanding, you know, what the progression is, where their eye should be. Did they make the right read? And the kids have a blast with it. You know, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I mean, the kids come in and, you know, like, I mean, probably the most excited I've seen my kids this winter was, uh, you know, everyone's talking about the drive that Tony Romo was calling out with the Patriots versus the Chiefs. And, you know, the kids couldn't wait to get in on the All-22 film, you know, and see, like, did Tony Romo really know what he was talking about? What if we made the same decision? <laughs> how'd yeah, the kids that, do? That... Oh, how'd they do? Yeah, they did, they did pretty well. I mean, they went in, they were able to navigate it. I mean, 
I think a lot of them probably watched it a few times on their DVR. They seemed a little scripted, uh, but they, they they were ready, man. They, you know, they came in and you know made some good decisions in there. And were able to have some good conversation, and I feel like if you're really going to build a relationship with the quarterback, you know, from a young age, especially, you know, just those conversations of looking at football and offenses that aren't your own, and just understanding football in general, not just from your lens, is such a key element i mean for our receivers too i mean we haven't installed a single play yet but what we have done with our wide receivers through tests um you know we're we're gonna have a meeting next week where we're taking our group leaders kids who are applying for captainship and they're going to be responsible for teaching the concepts to the other kids and we're going to come in day one and we're going to each kid's going to have their own whiteboard and we're going to grade them out and we're going to know how well our group leaders handled their group based on how well they teach the concepts to them but what we have been on them about, you know, and I'm big on putting things into families and creating relationships, but based on the different techniques the defenders over them, they're going to understand whether this corner is trying to jam me or he's trying to run and stay over the top of me. You know, what release am I supposed to be using? So, you know, receivers is a tough thing. And I know you said you've done it, Walls. How many times do you get kids with great releases and they don't know when to use them, right? I mean, that was my problem as an early receiver coach. You, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, I mean, you, you'd see so many kids. It's like, it's like you said, I mean, they, they wouldn't have that, that spatial awareness, you know, they could get off of, get off of press. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they went too far over the top and then, you know, being able to understand or being able to pace, Hey, no one, I'm running an out route. I don't want to have to get all the way on top because now the guy can play underneath it. You know, if, if he's, if he's very good. So no, no one where I need to leave guys you know, knowing where I need to, to be able to, to get to. And it's like you'd said before, I got to know the route space I need to be able to get to. And, and when receivers finally can kind of understand that, especially when, you, when you're doing some of those secondary releases over the top of dudes, it puts them in a whole new category of, of being able to get open and understanding that. Yeah, I mean, even just teaching, you know, the receivers on, you know, what weapons are the DBs using against you and how to really use that against them is just – such a game changer i mean you know when you sit there and you explain to a kid hey listen we're going to use a similar release off a jam corner in your face as a kid using a catch technique and they sit there and they're like well free snap he's six seven yards off the ball well once you close that space he's trying to collision you like you have to make him miss and there's a ton of similarities there how you're going to do that whether it's seven yards off the ball or it's in his face because so they're using the same weapon essentially to try and stop you from getting open Coach, is that all uh, things with, with Google Classroom? Do you also um, record, uh, I don't know, voiceovers or maybe even whiteboard sessions and, and add those to the classroom? I, I've, I've found uh, at times that, that uh, I, I do that for my guys. I don't know how much it actually helps them or not uh, because we still end up having to drill the, the crap out of it once we get there. But uh, is that something that you've ever gone to or, or uh, do, you know, uh, relatively regularly yeah so we have you know with quarterback school we have you know four uh five units each with a couple chapters within it with within there they'll usually be you know a small document again i'm not usually more on the end of a graphic organizer kind of quantifying what it is that we're looking to do very big on screencast um whether you know it's footwork understanding the timeline the progression the fun, you know the mechanics of it um so within each and then we have tests so we give them assessments on there as well whether it's with the quarterbacks or with the receivers so 
when we start spring bowl, we got a good feel for where people are. Um, fundamentally, and I mean, it has been a game changer with how big lacrosse is up here and how many kids you lose to lacrosse and basketball to, you know, sit there and be like, hey, listen, I know you're going to focus on your sport, on your other sports, but hey, we need to grow cognitively and we need to stay on top of things. Um, it's been a great weapon to be able to clip to those kids when they're not yours and not putting physical demands on their body. And let me tell you, when you do install your concepts, you know, and, they, and the receivers have an understanding of which footwork applies with which route based on the angle of the cut and the depth of, you know, the route, all of a sudden it's like you're installing like, wow, and I just put in all these plays and we look so much better than what we would have if we were out here running them all winter because they understand the foundational skills necessary to run those routes or to get open or to make that read or for the linemen to understand what steps they need to take, you know. The run game families that like you start to see floating around on Twitter out there have been like the greatest thing that we've done. You know, we have run game families for the front side and the back side, and you know those will never change. We may have some minor overrides within a concept, but they're still going to be rooted in those families to each side, front side and back side. That's not going to change. So all of a sudden, you know, you start making up plays, and you know, you say, "Hey, listen, we're using this on the front side, this on the back side, and this is what we're going to call it." And before you even finish it, the kids are finishing your sentence. I'm like, all right, we're good. The runner coach, shut up. We're good. That that's always been kind of my thing too. Is you know a lot of a lot of maybe it's an old school notion, but it's like you know you can't put in these new plays. You can't put in these new plays. And and yeah, you can when you teach it. You know, from a conceptual vision, you teach it from a family, and kids understand that family, that overall rule. You can tweak things. It's like you know, hey, it's just another variation of smash. And when kids understand, you know, what smash is, who they're taking advantage of, where it's at in a progression, which side of the field are they calling it, boundary or field, it doesn't matter which, which route combination I run of smash, the read is exactly the same. And again, you know, a defensive coordinator is going to break that down, he's going to draw up a scout card, and he's going to say, man, they, they've run this play, they've run this play, this play. Well, for us, literally, it, it becomes the same way that we run, say, quote, you know, double post with smash on the backside. Because our kid understands that concept. Our kid understands that progression. We can tweak it however we want to tweak it. And we can come up with 8, 9, 10, 11 different ways that we run smash. And literally nothing changes. Like you said, they understand. Coach, it's smash. I got it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, you feel like you got to sell the kids on it or you got to sound smart. And sometimes it's like, hey, like, this isn't complicated. And you got to remind yourself, like, hey, you're right. This really isn't because the way I taught it, you know, simplifies and boils it down you know even you know I, I guess I'll take this opportunity to give you guys a little plug I'm only about 20 minutes in on the uh, pin and pull um screencast you guys put up on the freemium content which is you know just such a great resource and even like the way you guys are talking about how you guys tweak it um whether it's looking more almost like an old like g belly g scheme or you know whether we're reaching the nine you know that that is so much easier to do when they understand it's a gap scheme play, right? And that like their base rules, you know, you know, if it's pin and pull, you can kind of teach you off of a zone or a gap, but wherever you're rooting it or starting it from, you know, it's easy to go other places because all learning is, is, you know, applying new things to things you already know. But if you don't have that foundation, that launch point, you know, it, it's hard to put in new things. That's exactly right. And that was one of the, you know, to me is one of the big, decisions to make hey are we going to call this exactly like you said we're going to call this zone uh or are we going to call it gap or, or you know how are we going to 
root it in things that we already do. Uh, you know, uh, as you said too, you know, we decided to go with gap scheme for pin and pull and, and uh, for our guys, you know, maybe because we run so much gap or, or uh, you know, who knows, but it, it seemed to be something that they, um, it, it sticks in their mind a little bit better and, and kind of some of the cool stuff for me to go back and watch that because, you know, Walls just put it up. Uh, he recorded it and put it up, and I've gone through it a couple times. And uh, in, in, as he goes through it, he even shows some busts that we made uh, that year that we were both at Broken Arrow uh, and, and my lineman busting on, you know, three or four plays. And he shows that just, you know, to show that it's still a good play and you can still follow the second puller. And because it's pin and pull, your pullers can make you right. But uh, it, it was kind of cool to go back and see and see, you know, kind of how the rules were a little bit different maybe then and how they've evolved um, to what our rules are now, uh, mostly because of, uh, us failing then and so we had to find okay what's a what's a what's an easier way to block this up what's an easier rule what's an easier tag that we can use what's easier for us to call this what's you know and so uh evolving from that year of of having a few busts and now getting to throw on the film at broken arrow from from this last year uh, it, it was it's really cool to get to go back and see those and then you know, you kind of go back down memory lane. And you're like, oh, yeah, we used to teach it like this, and, and this part's a little better, or maybe we need to go back to adding this. I know, like, against Odd, uh, ever since Walls had me put in the, you know, the, the double and the tackle and tight end backside linebacker, pulling both guards, that's the only way I've ever done it against Odd. Uh, I completely forgot that we used to uh, be able to – we actually started with our, our base rule was reach with the tackle, reach with the tight end. And so – uh, going back and watching that today was a cool little change up and it kind of reminds me, hey, if we get one of those ends that want to really, uh, you know, spill hard, uh, just go ahead and reach them with your tight end. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, my offense over the past few years would never change if I didn't go back and solve problems. You know, I have concepts yeah. in there I like because, you know, they're good, they work well, and they're successful. But, you know, as people find ways to poke holes at it, you find more answers and that's where you come up with tweaks to your rules or you know maybe adding a new concept which usually leads to deleting something else at least for me um but you know i mean even for myself i'm always so fascinated that's what i love about some of the stuff that you guys put up there is you know the minutia of your rules and how you're trying to attack defenses and how right you're trying to give your kids those answers in their tool belt you know whether you know i know like on some of the stuff you guys talk about you know when you're out leveraged by the double team just you're on the backside, just fold the thing which, you know, is awesome. You know, we've folded stuff, but it was just a clear frame of reference for us to just be able to be like, all right, hey, listen, this is how and when we want to fold. Then I go to one of the Division One schools over here um, for spring ball, and they're like, yeah, when we're out leveraged by the double team, we just change the read. How do you change the read? Well, if we're on the backside and we're reading the C gap, if we can't reach – if we don't think we can reach the three technique, the left tackle just yells B, and the quarterback knows to read the guy in the B gap. Now, it's not always that simple, and these guys have to understand the rest of – you know, the box and what's going on, making sure we can account for those guys. But it's always interesting to kind of see how people do things differently. And that's, to me, the most important part as a coach. I mean, uh, and I've said it now for a few years, I think you can carry and install almost every probably football play there is, um, depending on, you know, but how are you going to marry those plays together? I mean, and if you were just to look at it, right, you could – um, you could run option and 
power and, you know, triple option and power and, um, you know, outside zone. But how are, with those being so different, you know, how are you going to marry those up to where your kids can actually execute those? And, and um, you know, it, that becomes, to me, the fun part of coaching, uh, at least in the off season, uh, is how do I marry these up? How do I make these so simple uh, that the kids can do them and, and they can relate to other plays? And, and that's, to me, where a lot of the tweaking comes in at. Um, and like you said, uh, you know, we, we kind of do some of these installs and we don't carry all these plays every year. Like you said, okay, what's going to work with our guys the best? And so we may not carry certain plays from, you know, in this year because our kids aren't as good and, and there's a different play that we think works in our scheme a little bit better with this group. But uh, we still have the ability to make these calls. Um, so, you know, two years down the road when we are good at, you know, whatever, uh, we do have a, you know, a zone read quarterback – okay, now we can put it in really easy like this, um, and, and it's one tag, and maybe the guys have even heard it before, but it's still through our offense, even though we're not using it that year, or maybe those two years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the spreadsheet for our offense and what it looks like, and, you know, if any of, these, any of my coaches in the offseason look, they're probably laughing, because every week it's evolving and changing as, you know, for me it's as much about, the, you know, the concepts are the concepts, and, you know, there's only so many variations of things that you can do, but like we said, when you put things in families, it makes that easier. What's the easiest way to get that carryover so that we're practicing similar techniques and can be good at, you know, what we're going to run by getting a lot of reps at it, but also finding the clearest way to say it. I mean, that is like the toughest thing because, you know, for me, I also want to find relationships in the way that we phrase it to the kids so that they can pick it up quicker because if we have random names or it's becoming super lengthy and we're running this play, but, you know, we're going to tag that we're reading, you know, the backside three technique. We're going to tag that we're going to fold here and then another tag to insert the fold. Like, all those things are great, but you have to find the most effective way to communicate. And sometimes it is tagging the heck out of everything, right? I mean, tagging is a great thing, but at times, you know, for me, half of the fun of building an offense is finding the clearest way to, you know, get that out to your kids. Yeah, it's – it's, it's kind of funny, you know, I, I, I coach with, with Rick Nelson and, and he says, you know, when they, they'd be sitting down and, and talking about formations or plays and, and you'd have certain coaches who'd like, you know, Hey, we, we gotta, we gotta call it this way. And, and guys literally that he said that, you know, you'd have a playbook in there and he said, the second thing we'd always have was a dictionary. So we could always, you know, <laughs> find, find the right word that we're going to call something. So I think, you know, sometimes it can be paralysis by analysis, but, I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, I, I, the reason I loved working with Coach Harper was that, you know, I, I thought Coach Harper was, was so good at, at being able to take some of those complex things and, and really make it simple. And that was always one of my favorite things. So I think it's one of the reasons we got along so well. And then he's still doing it where he's still evolving those things. So I still, you know, when we get a chance to sit down and talk about it, and maybe it's a it's a new term, or maybe it's a new couple of buzzwords that he uses, and it and it's something that I know he's consistently evolving his language and making it easier to teach. And then at the same time, when he's sharing it with me, I'm always like, man, that makes a lot more sense. So I think you know when when you when you get a couple of guys who you know really really can talk about those things and continue to evolve it, it just keeps getting simpler and simpler and simpler, and it makes more sense. And it makes more sense when you're able to, you know, get outside your own brain and have a few guys that you can kind of collaborate with to get that done. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, myself and especially one assistant in particular, I mean, we have one or two t conversations a week like, hey, I saw, you know, I was looking at a playbook and I saw they phrase this like that. Or, you know, I like I love trying to get into, you know, practice is nice to come watch some of these schools locally, you know, do what they do. And I always try and get to at least two different, you know, colleges every spring. But, you know, getting in those meetings and like as much as I love seeing the coaching points and all that stuff, like I'm equally as fascinated just trying to sit there from an outsider perspective, like, all right, I don't know your communication system at all. Mm -hmm. Can I sit here and by the end of this meeting, can I kind of figure out what the heck you're calling, why you're calling it? And like, if I can, then obviously it's pretty simple. And you, uh, most of the times that's a lot of where I got what I run is mm -hmm. from being the outsider in those meetings and being like, wow, I, I was never even taught this. And then, you know, a 25 minute pre-practice meeting, I'm able to figure out what they're doing by the end of it 90% of the time. That's a, that's a really good point. I think it's a, that's a phenomenal observation. You know, when you, when you go to some of these things and, you know, the guy, the guy can tell it to you a few times and you're like, okay, so what play is that? And okay, I got it. Yep. You're, you're good. You know? So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a phenomenal point. And, and, you know, it's almost something you can do on staff, you know, maybe even as a head coach is, is kind of sitting in there, you know, and, and being able to listen and, and be able to see how easy it is when one of your own guys is teaching it. You know, if, if, you know, I, I like to sit in on like some of our defensive meetings all the time. And, and it's kind of fun to be able to sit there and it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get that. That makes sense. Cause you know, they use a lot of categories too. And, and now I can speak our defense's language. So when I have kids that are kind of, you know, rocking back and forth and going both ways, I can teach my receivers, Hey, here's what you guys call this coverage on defense. But, you know, I get to sit in some of those install meetings and learn it. It's great feedback to be able to give each other like, yeah, this is kind of confusing. This isn't because it's like you said, you're kind of that outside set of ears or eyes. Absolutely. You know, you talk about, you know, getting those crossover guys. Um, you know, not too many schools up here are two platoon. We're, we're probably one of the only teams that at least is fortunate enough that our offensive and defensive line is pretty much completely separated so we can get them on the sideline and change things and, you know, adapt, not have to wait until halftime. Um, but, you know, having that ability to just go into these meetings and really see like, Hey, what are these guys doing? Can I pick it up really quick? I mean, is you know, the biggest sell for me, like if I can't sit there and figure out what these guys are doing pretty quickly, I'm like, All right, this probably isn't for my kids at the high school level. It's going to take them too long and it's going to be too valuable for me to be able to teach my kids, you know, with them being multi-sport athletes and, you know, having lives and being, you know, student athletes, you know? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. And then some of those guys, uh, I honestly think it's because they've probably done it forever and they get their guys long enough and their guys are smart enough that they don't ever have to evolve. But then you can go listen to it and say, well, as a first guy, why don't we do it like this? This is the same as this. We could just do it like this. Uh, and, and that's where, at least for me, a lot of our shortened verbiage or, or how we call things or uh, some of the groups that we've come up with come from that. Me listening to something I've never heard or – someone new teaching it, uh, uh, something that we're going to do. And, and I'm like, well, that doesn't, that's a lot. How do I make that easier? Well, that's just like this. So why don't we do this just from listening to, like you said, someone else coach it that, um, you know, if it's too long, you know, uh, trying to cut it down or if it's, if it is something really nice, concise, just you know, stealing it exactly from them. Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of times you get those hidden gems where they're teaching something totally different, but maybe a word or a phrase they use fits your yes. team in a totally yeah. different way where you're like, oh, that word can totally work. Or even, you know, 
practice. I mean, I was watching one of the local schools here uh, two Fridays ago for one of their last spring ball practices. And I feel like, you know, most teams in, across the board in America, you know, do their runs on air where they got the play tape out and they're working the mesh and, you know, and they do it on like the 10, the 15 or the 20. So this way, you know, you tell the back to finish and score every time. And, you know, for us, our receivers, a huge point of emphasis in ourselves, Scott, was we need to do a better job when we catch the ball, getting vertical and puncture in the defense. So, you know, we run our inside run stuff like that. I feel like most people do. But as I'm sitting there and I'm not in the thick of it and I'm not in practice, I'm just watching them like, why don't I just run all my quick game from the 20 going in and force my receivers to go score, just like what they're doing with the play tape with the running backs because the backs are running hard as hell. Ours do. So this year, you know, when we set up routes on air, you know, we'll be on the 20 going out for our vertical game. We'll have our shoots out there with, you know, either uh, old hand shields in front of them. So, you know, when they're in, under the shoot, they have to stay low. The hand shields in front of them are like the agility hurdles. So they get the big first step, the closing coverage. And then, you know, when we turn around, we're going to be doing our quick, quick game concept right into the end zone. Everyone's going to score, and I'm going to have the quarterback go run to the other you know, to the goal line, grab the balls out of the ball bucket, and then we're going to run the same quick game back. And, you know, we're going to do things a little bit differently. But it was really just off of watching a college do a drill that my team already does, but I'm never down there. And, you know, it's very different when you get a chance to just not be in the thick of it and you're not coaching. Yeah, you guys, both of you guys are talking about, I mean, just having that opportunity, you know, in my new role as an instructional coach, is is just a lot of times the the biggest aha moments come from people just getting a chance to stop and and think and and reflect. So I mean, you go to you go to these colleges and you sit in a meeting or you're sitting and watching a practice. It's a chance for you to, you know, like you said, get out of it. But then you're you're thinking the whole time. And when when I'm when I have a chance to think and I have a chance, you know, to to make some connections and and start to put some of these things together. That's that's obviously when you know creative thought and and a lot of these great ideas are going to come from because it just gives me a chance to think I'm not just in that reactive default mode where I'm just going to work what's my schedule what do I got next I'm sitting in that flow all of a sudden now man I get a chance to think about it all these great ideas come kind of a simple concept but a lot of times we literally don't think about it yeah well I mean when you you know when you really sit back and reflect on this I mean how many times, unless you go to watch someone else practice, are you not in the thick of it? You're either as a player working your butt off or you're running around coaching kids up. So, I mean, it's not too often you really get to sit there and think like, hey, why are we doing this? Or what spot on the field? You know, I mean, just again, simply, I, you know, I think that's something that we're going to be better at and we're going to solve a problem just by where we practice our routes on air this year. And it was something that, you know, I didn't even, the school I was at wasn't doing it, but you know, it just triggered something in my head. And I'm like, hey, that's a great idea on how to force kids to finish plays. I'm writing it down right now, Coach. I'm going to be stealing it too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I can't really say it's awesome because, you know, we start spring ball in two weeks. So <laughs> we haven't actually done it yet. But on paper, it sounds good. Don't hold me to it, though. It's going to be awesome, man. You're going to make it awesome. <laughs> well, Coach, kind of coming up on an hour. Uh, but But the last thing that I always like to ask everybody is, uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, well, I think the way that we coach our guys here at Longwood, you know, 
my online guys might fight me if I don't give the answer that they want, but <laughs> they've told me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we, I, we may have to throw down if I don't answer this question right. And there's a whole lot of online guys at my school, like I said, so I'm kind of outnumbered. <laughs> um, you know, for our guys, you know, and, you know, where we really feel we make our money and, you know, what we really value, you know, and the guys coach it up just so well and we've been doing it this way for over 30 years here is really just, you know, the, their stance and their first step. If you got guys who are stepping under themselves, not taking the proper steps, the proper angle, um, if they're not, if that first step isn't correct and they're stepping under themselves, they're going to lean, they're going to pull forward, they're going to be off balance, they're never going to cut anyone off if they're on the backside or they're never going to drive anyone off the ball if they're on the front side. Um, so, I mean, just teams who are crisp on their first step, that are the same concept when you see them with the same leverage technique over them, that they're going to step with that guy the exact same every single time. And then the other big one is just communication. You see people, you know, pointing people out, adjusting to the front moving, and, you know, schematically able to pick that stuff up. For me, those are like the things. But if you ask me to hang my hat on one thing that I'd want my offensive line to do, I know people on here typically say about finishing, and that's a lot on attitude. I'm not saying that's not important. But you also got to get off on the right foot. And if you're not stepping properly on that first step, the play is over. Coach, man, uh, hopefully, hopefully the uh, the offensive line guys accept your answer. See you know what <laughs> Yeah. Get into a brouhaha with them. But <laughs> um, I – Completely, completely agree, man. You know, that, that first part, first things first, man. Put first things first. If I can't get in a great athletic stance and I, and I can't move out of that stance, especially on the correct angle, it's, you're going to have problems no matter what, especially when you're going against some of these athletic D linemen. But, man, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. You know, I always love talking to, to some of the guys from the East Coast. Uh, I've, I've visited the Northeast many times, and, and I've said it a lot, you know, I, if it was my choice between living in New York or living in Cali, I'd pick New York 10 times out of 10. You know, I just, I think the city's a fun place. It's a great place. And, and hopefully I get a chance to, to get out there soon, man. And, and I've never been to a Giants game, but I'd love to get to a Giants game with you or at least sit in a bar and watch it with you, man. Appreciate all the stuff absolutely. that you, you do to help us out with RTP and RTP premium. Yeah, absolutely guys. You know, I love what you guys are doing for football. You know, we're in a unique fraternity where people do share knowledge, they're passionate, and, you know, you guys exemplify that. And, hey, you, either of you guys ever end up up here in New York, love to catch up, you know, hang out, watch a game, talk some ball. You guys are always welcome by me, man. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.